about last week. So the very first week, just a quick review. <clears throat> we talked about who Jesus is, Messiah, the Son of the living God, Matthew 16. That's where Peter told Jesus. Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say I am? The disciples, Peter said, um, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Then the next week, we talked about who does God say we are. And that second week, we talked about really funneling it down to we are children of God. We are God's children, and that's what we talked about the second week. And this whole idea of identity is I really believe if we remember who Jesus is, we will not forget who we are is how I should put that. And like we talked about last week, don't forget who you are. That story of that young man that would go out on dates all the time, he would go out of the house and his mom would tell him before he left all the time, don't forget who you are. And I believe if we remember who Jesus is in our life, we won't forget who we are as young people and even as elderly people, as older people, when we go out of the house, no matter what age you are. <clears throat> then last week, we talked about why are we here? What's our purpose? And I hope you guys remember, if anyone comes up to you in life and says, why are we here and what's our purpose? We know as believers, since we know who he is, we know what he says we are, who he says we are, and we are his children then what we know is our, our purpose is, according to Scripture, to bring glory to Him in all that we do. Because everybody's always worried about, well, how, what do I do? What do I do here? What do I do for a vocation or a career? How do I raise my kids? How do I get through high school? And I believe if you guys will get this all the way narrowed down in your lives to where you realize your purpose in life as a believer of Jesus Christ is to just bring glory to Him. So whether you're doing sports, how you're competing, if you're competing in a way, you have to ask yourself before the game, Lord, win, lose, draw, whatever it is, I get hurt, I don't get hurt, may I bring glory to you in all that I do. And I think if you guys will take a hold of that as young people and embrace that, that will help you in this journey called life to know what to do each day. And you can, listen, you can live in victory every night when you get home at the end of the day and you lay your head on the pillow you know, I did it. I wasn't perfect at it. There's going to be a lot of times when you don't bring glory to God. But when God whispers at you, he's faithful to say, Psst, hey, then we adjust course and we go back to re remembering what our purpose is. So that way, when you guys are in college and you're trying to figure out what in the world am I going to do for work or a career? Do I get married? Do I get a job? Do I go to college? All that is going to make a difference and you're going to have to make all those decisions but all those decisions will have the foundation of no matter what I do, all I do in word and deed, I do to the glory of God through Christ Jesus, our Savior. I hope that helps you guys get that idea around it. And the other thing we did talk about last week is um, does, our life, does our life matter? And I pray after last week you guys know it does. Because like we talked about last week, God showed us that our lives matter to him. He created us to love us, and he didn't just tell us he loved us. He showed us he loved us through the cross. When Christ went to that cross, it was that God loved you, and he wanted to redeem you back into a relationship with him, and he did that by sacrificing his own son and dying on a cross, buried in a grave, risen from the dead. He did that for you because you matter to him. And I want you guys to remember also, and I want to, I want to make sure I cover this again because I want you guys to remember um, God cares for you. And he tells you he cares for you because he says, cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. So we see these things about our God, right? <clears throat> so tonight what I want to do is I want to look at this idea, how do we live this out then? 
Okay, we know, we know who he is. We know who we are in him. We know what our purpose is. Now, how do we live this out? That's what we're going to be talking about tonight for the next few minutes. But before we do that, as always, I want to give you guys an opportunity to talk at your tables. And the first question on the, the small group leaders have a question, uh, questions on their sheet. The first question is this. On a scale of one, that being far away, or 10 being near, how close do you feel you are to God right now as you sit in your chair tonight? How close are you? And how does that compare, because we're halfway through the school year, how does that compare to where you were at the beginning of the school year? So has your relationship with God faded or has it gotten better? Have you gotten farther away from him or are you closer to him where you sit tonight? Turn to your tables, talk about that, and we'll come back up in a minute. I was just talking to another table over here. I have a question for you guys to think about. When you ask that question, where am I with God, one being far away, ten being close, don't, don't give me your answer. I know we're all hard on ourselves. We're never where we want to be with the Lord. But here's what I want you guys to think about, and I want to give this to you for free, and you can do this or ponder this. Ask God, don't answer this out loud, but ask God where he thinks you are with him. Because we're always going to be hard on myself. I use my example with my wife and I. If I was to, if you're asking me what kind of husband I am, I say I'm about a two. <laughs> if you ask Rachel, she would say I'm a 10. Because I'm hard on myself. I'm never going to measure up to what I believe I need to be. So ask God in your heart, and in the quiet of your room tonight, when you're laying your head on the pillow, go, Lord, where am I with you? Where do you think I am? And listen to him, because I know he's faithful to share with you, okay? So, biblical pattern to live out this purpose that we have, okay? Here's what I've got on your, on your sheet tonight. I've got four things. A biblical pattern to live out our purpose is this, to submit, to seek, to serve, and to share. And these four things, I believe if we get our arms around this, this is a pattern that I will use for the rest of my life, you can use for the rest of your life, and it's something that will give us a tangible thing to hang on to and do every day. Now, I want you to think about this. We talked last week about our purpose is what? To bring glory to God in all that we do. According to Scripture, that's what we're here for. And I want you to think about these things tonight. While you're doing each one of these in your life, is this bringing glory to you? The very first one is found in James 4, 7. Submit to God. It says, submit yourselves then to God, and it'll also say, which I'll talk about in a second, resist the devil, and he will flee. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That pattern, the very first thing I believe we need to do as Christians is if we don't submit or make ourselves subject to God, we're not going to do the right thing for him all the time. But if I start out my day or start out my thought process with God, whether I sit down in my quiet time or not, if I don't have time, I think to myself, Lord, you're Lord. See, because here's what I believe with all my heart. A lot of people, Jesus to a lot of people is Savior. But not to very many people, he's Lord. And I believe if he's not Lord, he's not going to be Savior for very long. Because we need to submit ourselves to him. And that word submit is actually a military term, which means to get into proper rank. Get into proper rank. Think about if you're in sports at school. You're submitting to the coach. You're submitting to his, authority, his or her authority. Your teacher's in the classroom and you're doing your homework. You're submitting to that person's authority. So you know what this is like to get in your proper rank. They're the teacher. You're the student. They're the coach. You're the, you're the athlete, if I can put it that way. And it's the same way with God. And when we do this, submission is an act of our wills, is what it is. And this is to echo out, listen, this is to echo out what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. When you look at it, it's a, it's a, it's a matter of, 
submission of our will. When Jesus was in the garden, sweating drops of blood, he said this. He went away a second time. Matthew 26, 4. Went away a second time. My father, if it is possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. See, Jesus knew what he was up to, and he knew what he was facing, but he made a choice to follow the Father's will. We need to make that same choice each day that we're going to submit to God's authority because he's God and we're not. And to submit carries with it this idea of obeying. So if I'm just going to submit, I'm not going to say he's Lord. I'm going to let him be Lord, and I'm going to obey what he tells me to do. When we submit to God, we are humbling ourselves to his ultimate authority. And and I got this saying that I got stuck in my head a long time ago. I would rather, listen to this, I would rather live humble. I would rather live humble than to be humbled by God. I would rather live humble before God and submit to his authority rather than being humbled by God. Pride tells you guys this. It says, I can do it without God. I can do this. I, I can handle this. I got this. I often tell God this, Lord, I can't do this. But all things are possible, and I know you can help me through it by your grace and by your mercy. I will bring glory to you no matter what's going to happen in this situation. God wants you to depend on his grace. That's why he gives it. See, there's provenient grace. There's unmerited, there's unmerited grace, which is salvation grace, saving grace. And then there's enabling grace. God enables us to live this life out. It would be like me coming along and and telling Clark, Clark, here's what I want you to do. Go do this impossible task. Good luck, see you later. God doesn't do that. God doesn't call you to something that he's not going to enable you to accomplish because it brings glory to him. This idea, real quick, of resisting the devil, by the way, in James 4, 7, it says this, in 4, 7 and 4, 8, submit to God, resist the devil, listen, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. That, that idea of resisting the devil real quick, this hasn't much to do with my message, but I want to get this in here. That idea of resisting the devil is also a military term. You resist by you strive against. You do not respond to. You do not give in to the temptation. By God's, not by my strength, but by God's grace, I live this way. So I can resist the devil. I do not have to respond to the temptations. Will I sometimes? Maybe, but I don't have to. Unconditional surrender is the only way to live live complete victory in life as a Christian, I believe. And the first thing we do in this pattern of living is we submit to God. Submit yourselves then to God. The second thing is this, seek God. Draw near to God, James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I want you guys to hear this. When we seek God, he says, when you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. God is a responsive God. You want him to stay away? Remember Pharaoh in the Old Testament? Harden his heart? Hardening someone's heart a lot of times is just like this. Clint says, God, I don't want nothing to do with you. God goes, okay. But watch this. God never moves. You know who does? Clint. He's responsive. He will draw, you draw near to him and he will draw near to you. How do you do this? By faith, through prayer, reading the Bible, and worship. And I'm not talking about the worship that Mike Mike led us in earlier tonight. I'm talking about worship as a lifestyle. 
Worship is a lifestyle. See, I believe worship does this. Worship tills the ground of your heart to receive the word. So when you come in here on a Wednesday night and Mike leads us in worship, there is a purpose to that, and it's not to hear how good the band is. Because when we come here on Wednesday night, that music that God gives us to seek his face is tilling the ground of our heart. So when it comes time to hear the word, it's landing in good soil. I hope you guys get that, because when we watch somebody lead us in worship, it is not for entertainment. I want you to see, I used to farm up in Montana, and I want you to see these, this, these plows going through the, the dirt of your heart. That way, when God lays that seed in there, it lands on good soil. Jeremiah, everybody knows Jeremiah 29, 11, right? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. Everybody loves that verse, right? But the best part of those verses, that verse is 12 and 13. Jeremiah 12 and 13 says this. Then you will call upon me and come to me and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That's a, that's a promise from God. So we submit to him and then we seek his will, we seek him. A.W. Tozer says it this way, nearness is likeness. You want to be like Christ, you have to draw near to Christ to be like Christ. When God shines a light on something that you've done wrong and you're in sin and it's not bringing glory to him, the only thing you have to do is be obedient to him. When you blow it, you repent, you tell him, Lord, forgive me, I'm sorry. You get back in the right relationship with him and you be obedient. And the thing is, a lot of you know why I wear this bracelet that I got on, right? A lot of you have explained this story to you over and over again and this bracelet represents something for me. Matthew 4.19 says when... Uh, when Peter and Andrew were walking down the beach, when they were walking, or Jesus was walking down the beach, Peter and Andrew were in their boat, mending their nets, and Jesus says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And as the Bible says, they immediately got out of the boat and followed him. That's why I wear this bracelet, because I want to be a man. I'm never going to be perfect in behavior, you guys, because I'm human. I have way too many frailties as a guy, and you guys do too. So I'll never be perfect in behavior, but I can be perfect in response. That's immediately being obedient to God in all that I do. When I seek him, see, when I come into the light of God, I see my deeds. And scripture tells us that the darkness does not like the light because the light reveals its deeds. So when I draw near to God, I see me in his presence. He's God, I'm not. But I see God put his arm around me and help me. And he, he lets me know where I'm at when I seek him. Adam Clark says it this way. Let your whole conduct be changed. Cease to do evil. Hear how I like how Clark's, Adam Clark is an old theologian years and years and years ago. I like how he writes this. So he says, let your whole conduct be changed. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. That's a learning process. You know what I know? We don't have to learn to be evil, do we? Evil comes pretty easy, doesn't it? Because of our sinful nature. But if you will learn to do well, it will help you. So the first thing is we submit to God. The second thing is we got to seek God. Then, then what we do is we get busy. But see, those first two things, submitting and seeking, bring glory to him. Because if I'm his child, he wants to spend time with me, right? And when I spend time with him, it brings glory to him because he's God and I'm not, and I want to spend time with him. The third thing is this, we serve God. Serving God includes serving others, even the ones we don't like. 
even our enemies. Praying for our enemies, being kind to our enemies. Jesus says in the Bible, if, 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 if someone says, carry my pack one mile, carry it too. And that's a big, that was a real thing. Back in those days, a Roman soldier would come up and make a Hebrew or an Israelite slave carry their equipment. And they make them carry it a mile. Jesus says, great, if he makes you carry it a mile, carry it too. Because you're a Christian. And you've got God helping you pack that load. So serving others is a very big deal. I'll tell you a quick story. My son Tyler, when he was in the eighth grade, he was tall, lanky kid, kind kid. Wore glasses when he played basketball, but he was always bigger than everybody else on the floor, right? So he's playing basketball, and I was watching this, and I just started laughing one day because he is such a good young man and such a kind-hearted person that he just floored this kid on the basketball court. Didn't do it on purpose, just mowed him right over the top of him. And this poor kid's laying there on the ground, and the game is going on, and everybody in the game is headed to the other side of the floor. Well, Tyler had saw what he had done. During the game, stops, picks his kid up, and helps him make sure he's okay, and then he goes back into the game. That's, that's having a servant's heart, in my opinion. Now, I'm not telling you you should do that during the game because your coach is going to get mad at you if you do. But in eighth grade basketball, it didn't matter. But I will never forget. Tyler's 27 years old now, and I still remember watching him do that. That was his heart. That was because he had kindness for other people. By its very nature, service is sacrificial. It's going to cost you something to live a life of service to other people. Because we see that in Christ. We see that in what Jesus did. It says, for even in Mark 10, 45, it says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. In Jeremiah 20, or Joshua 24, 15, it says this, but if you, refu- if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you will serve. And I believe if we look at what we've been talking about here, it's either going to be selfishness or selflessness. Choose this day whom you will serve. And Joshua goes on to say, as for me and my house, we will choose to serve the Lord. You have a choice to make every day who you're going to serve. And when you serve others, you're serving God. And when you don't serve others, you're serving yourself. And that becomes selfishness. So you need to do, you need to choose. You need to make a choice and choose each day to serve your teachers, to serve your coaches, to serve your classmates, to serve your teammates, to serve your parents. Think about that. When's the last time you served your mom and dad? I'm not talking about taking them dinner. I'm talking about maybe picking up your stuff, doing what you're told to do the first time you do it, being respectful, not being, a, not being disrespectful to your parents. That is serving them. Here's another one. You got brothers and sisters? <laughs> Try serving them. You want to be selfless? Try serving your brothers and sisters. You want to freak your mom and dad out a little bit? Go home and be really nice to your brother or sister. That'll freak them out more than being nice to them, to be honest with you. Because they'll be like, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? They say, because I want to bring glory to God. Tell them. I dare you. you. They'll look at you like, what are you doing? But it's the right thing to do for the right reason because you're doing it for the right reason if you do it for God's glory. Jesus' life on earth is a daily reminder that he surrendered the glories of heaven to come here and through his sacrifice, serve us. So when you think I can't or I don't want to, Jesus Christ came from the glories of heaven to earth and through his sacrifice, served you. 
And we think we can't because we just don't want to choose to serve. The last thing is this, share God. So if we submit to God, to his authority, we seek him, we draw near to him, he draws near to us. From that perspective, we serve. And then when we serve, we're doing the right thing for the right reason. And then what we do from there is we go out and share God. We go share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the fourth thing that we do in this pattern of biblical living. And how do we share the gospel? There's an old saying out there. I didn't make it up, but I borrowed it, and I don't even know who said it originally. How do we share the gospel? It says this, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Did you guys get that? Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. In other words, the way you live is going to preach the gospel a lot louder than any words you're ever going to use to anybody David Jeremiah, who's a pastor that I listen to regularly, said it this way, don't ruin your testimony. Do you guys realize that when you sin, you ruin your testimony? Yeah, we can repent and we get back in right relationship with God. Yes, that's all true, but we ruin our testimony. If we're walking the halls of school and we're supposed to be Christians and we're doing the same thing everybody else is doing, that's not just harming you, it's harming Christ and his reputation because the only way they see Jesus is through you and through me at school and as we walk in Walmarts and do the things that we do in life. And here's how we do that. You will never be perfect again, but you, you will never be perfect in behavior, but you will be perfect in re- response to God. And I believe if you guys will get this, God's spirit is always faithful to tell us this. But we do that by dying to ourselves, because life cannot be about me any longer. It has to be about Christ and Christ alone. Paul says it this way in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live now, I live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Second, our 1 Corinthians 10.31 says it this way, So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And if it's not about you and it's all about him, you'll do that. But if it's all about you and you're living a selfish life, you'll never be selfless and serve or share the gospel. And you will ruin your testimony. Your lifestyle, language, and how you love one another matters when it comes to sharing the gospel. Think about this. I use this example, I use this excuse a long time as as a non-believer. Well, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to be a Christian because I'm no different than that guy down there is or he's the same as I am. I would be sitting at the bar drinking a beer, and some person would be sitting next to me trying to tell me about God. I use that as an excuse, and it's not a good excuse, but it affected me. Because if I'm sitting there and he's sitting there and he's telling me about God, I must be okay. Because we're in the same place, acting the same way. Make sense? Is the aroma of your life pleasing to God? Now watch. Is the aroma of your life pleasing to God and is it alluring to others? When you sit a hot apple pie in a, win- in a window seal, it smells good, doesn't it? Yes? Does your life smell that way to others as a Christian? Is, your, is the aroma of your life pleasing to God and is it alluring to others? Because if it's not, adjust your course. And if you're willing to live a lifestyle of service to other people, people will eventually come to you and they will ask you, why are you doing this? I dare you guys, go home and be nice to your siblings. It'll freak your parents out. And they'll be like, why are you doing this? 
And when you do that, then you can live out 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16 when it says this, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. So in other words, if I live my life and I serve others because I submit to God, I seek God, I serve and I share the gospel, if I'm serving others, people are going to come ask me, why are you doing this? And that gives me an opportunity to talk about 1 Peter 3.15, to give a reason for the hope to, of what lies in you when someone asks. And then the last thing is this, and then your small groups. The last command that Jesus gave to his disciples before he sent it into heaven, FCA's theme this year, go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, I will be with you always, always, even till the very end of the age. So we're supposed to submit and we're supposed to seek him. And from that, we will serve him. And from that serving, we get the opportunity to share the gospel. So turn to your tables, answer some questions, and we'll come back up in the front of the room in a few minutes. It's going to cost you everything. Because if you take a hold of what we've been talking about in this room for the last four weeks, it's going to cost you everything because it's going to cost you you. You can't live for yourself and be a Christian. You can't sit around and not do anything with your salvation. True faith responds to God actively, not passively. So if you take a hold of what we've been talking about for the last four weeks in this room, it's going to cost you. And it will cost you everything because it's going to cost you you. You can't live a life of selfishness, selfishness when you're a Christian. It doesn't work that way. Jesus came to serve and not to be served. We have to live a life of selflessness by submitting our lives to God, by drawing near to him, by seeking God. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. And then we serve. And if we're going to live a life of service, I promise you it's going to cost you everything you have to live a life of service. But when you serve God, you have the opportunity to do the best thing we get to do. And that's the share of the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. Because that's the hope that they need. So it's going to cost you to live a life of significance. To live your purpose. But listen to me. If you will always remember what your purpose is, is to bring glory to God, you can lay your head on the pillow every night being full knowing you did that. How you live that out may look differently for each person in this room. But if you can lay your head on the pillow every night knowing that I brought glory to God, that's a selfless life to live. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you're good. Grateful, Lord, for the opportunity. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your presence here tonight. Just pray for each person, including myself, Lord, that we will not forget what we've learned these last four weeks from your word of who you are of who you say we are, your God, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. We are your children. We know our purpose is to glorify you. Now help us to fulfill that purpose by what we've learned tonight, by submitting, seeking, serving, and sharing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys. You are dismissed. Have a great night, everyone.